Grace, mercy, and peace to you be from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're in the midst of a season that doesn't get a lot of uh, advertising. That's the season of Epiphany. It gets stuck between the high point of Christmas, which is hard to compete with, and then the austerity and sorrow of Lent. There's little season in between, but it has a purpose. This is where we receive an epiphany from God. You might have an epiphany, and an epiphany means a realization when you understand something that was not understood before, something is revealed, something is made known and clear. In this case, we are remembering all the ways in which Christ made clear who He was, all the different events that led people to say, this is not an ordinary man, this is not just some wise teacher, this is something new and unique and one of a kind. This is God in the flesh. And so the first uh, miracle of Jesus is one of these things that reveals who he is. When we hear Jesus' first miracle, we say, this is not an ordinary guy. So let's read the miracle. John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you, you have kept the good wine until now. And this is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. All right, the first of his signs. See, the Gospel of John records seven signs that reveal who Jesus is. And when you hear sign, think evidence, proof. This is exhibit A through exhibit G at the trial to prove who Jesus is. These things reveal Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. And so how does this first miracle, Jesus helping out a young couple by transforming water into wine, how does this reveal him? Well, I want to show five different things this reveals about Christ. I'm sure there's more, but these five will be plenty of layers to understand what this miracle means for us. So the first layer, it's a miracle. This is an amazing thing. This does not happen. He is changing this substance at the atomic level, right? Transforming good old H2O into the mix of organic compounds that we call wine. This is not something easy to do. This is something that requires the power of the creator himself. Because the creator himself created wine. Now, I think strange is wine's a man-made product, but go to Psalm 104. 
It says that God created wine to gladden the hearts of men. Because he created the vine that produces the grapes. He created the water and the sunlight and the air and the soil that makes those grapes possible. He created the yeast that grows on the skin of the grapes. So then when it's crushed and the juice removed, that yeast will ferment uh, that liquid from grape juice into wine. He created the human beings with the knowledge to be able to put this together and figure it out. That God is the creator of wine. And here, Jesus is doing this act of creation in fast forward. That he's doing this act of creation and transforming water into wine in a way that only God the creator can do. And so this miracle reveals him as the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, which is amazing and important. But if that was the only thing this miracle was doing, well, he could have done a lot of other miracles to reveal that he was God. What's particular about this one? Well, let's go to our second layer. Not only does it reveal him to be God, it reveals him to be compassionate. The stakes are small in this story. What happens if Jesus doesn't do this miracle? Well, a young couple has their wedding ruined. Which, if you've ever had a wedding, you might seem like that's the only thing in the entire universe, the most important thing. But it's not. It's a small thing. Jesus is not saving lives. He is not removing sins. He's making sure that this party is not ruined. That this young couple is going to face all kinds of embarrassment and pain, and their beautiful day become very bittersweet because of a lack of wine. And we don't know why there's not enough wine. Maybe there's more guests than they expected. Maybe the, the guests drank more than they expected. Maybe they were poor, and this is all the wine they could afford, and they were hoping for the best. Whatever it was, they needed wine, and Jesus provided it. That he shows compassion for this young couple. That even though their problems are tiny, they're not tiny to Jesus. They matter to Jesus, and he does this, even though there's going to be big consequences for him doing this, he does this out of love. And this tells us a lot about our God, that our God has compassion on even our little lives and our little problems, that they matter to the Lord of the universe. Let's go a layer deeper. The next layer here, we see this reveals a God whose grace and love is ridiculously superabundant. Because Jesus makes a lot of wine. I don't know if he did the math here, but that is a lot of wine. You know, these big barrels... Uh, would have held, you know, about 30 gallons each, and he fills them to the very brim. 30 gallons, you know, times six is 180 gallons. I, I don't know about you, but I don't ever think of wine in terms of gallons. Uh, so converted to me a more usable thing, you know, the 750 milliliter bottle of wine. We're talking about 900 bottles of wine here. 900 bottles of wine is a lot of wine by anyone's measure. That's enough to start a wine shop. All right, and this was probably not a huge wedding. I mean, Canaan and Galilee was a tiny little town. Uh, I'm guessing at most we're talking 100 guests. 100 guests at most, that's nine bottles of wine per guest. For people who already drink all the wine. <laughs> right, my, my point here I'm trying to make is this is an excessive amount of wine. Jesus did not need to make this much. He could have made just enough, but he makes way too much. Why is he so inefficient? Why is he so wasteful that he makes so much? Because our God's love is not efficient. Our God's love is wasteful. 
God doesn't give you just enough grace. He doesn't say, well, I'll forgive your first 1,000 sins, and then the rest is on you. No, His love goes above and beyond what we could ever want or need. That this is the kind of excessive love. This is the love displayed in Psalm 23. It says, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. He fills your cup and then keeps pouring just to make sure it's full. That is how excessive our God's love is. That's how excessive Christ's love is here. So we have this reveals him as God. This shows his compassion. This shows the overwhelming wastefulness of that compassion. There's even a more important thing here, and that comes from this line he has. He says to his mother, my time has not yet come. Jesus' time. This is over and over again a theme in John. Jesus is waiting for his time. He's preparing for his time. His entire life is about his time. And what is his time? It's when he'll be lifted up. When he'll be lifted up in glory before all of humanity by being lifted up on a cross. By hanging, bleeding, dying, gasping for breath, losing his life on a cross. That is his time. And he knows that this miracle is going to set things in motion. Even if he keeps us quiet, even if the master of the feast doesn't know what happened, the servants know, his disciples know, word's going to get out, word's going to spread, people are going to hear about this guy is not normal, this guy is special. And then he knows once that happens, people to come to him and ask him to heal them. He's going to come to them and ask him for help. And out of his compassion, he's going to help them. And his fame will grow, and his fame will grow, enemies will rise up. People who cannot accept that he is who he claims to be. People who cannot uh, allow him to keep doing what he's doing. People who will hate him so much that they will conspire and get him killed. Jesus knows that this is the first domino that will eventually end with him bleeding and dying on a cross. He knows that once he has done this, he can never take it back. He knows what this is going to end in, and he does it anyway. He does it anyway, because he knows that that is why he has come to earth. And this will be the hardest thing imaginable. It is not easy for Jesus to die, but he's going to do it anyways. And he knows when he helps this couple, that's where the end point is, and he accepts that. He accepts his death the death that is going to remove the sins of the world, the death that is going to make us able to come into God's presence with joy and not with fear. Which brings us to the final thing I want to talk about this miracle represents for us, and that is, this is a joyful miracle. This miracle is about joy, right? Because Jesus brings joy to a party. He gives them wine that gladdens the hearts of man. He is making sure that this is a joyful occasion and not a sorrowful one, and that's why he does this. And this is important because this joyful wedding that happened in Cana and Galilee points to an even more joyful event to come. Because God often describes his ultimate plan for his people, the end goal of all things, as a feast, a party, a wedding. Back in the book of Isaiah, it talks about how God is going to gather the people together on his mountain and give them a feast, a feast of the most delicious and richest foods, a feast of the finest, most 
perfect wine. And this feast is going to be the feast in which God ends death forever and ends sorrow forever and makes all things right. This is the feast He has prepared. The book of Revelation calls this the marriage feast of the Lamb and His kingdom, which has no end. That Jesus is preparing for a great wedding feast, and you are the bride. You are the one who is the honored guest. Jesus, the bridegroom, is going to bring in to have this pure joy that the only thing that he can compare the joy of this event to is the joy of your own wedding. The only thing he can compare his love to is the love that you know uh, between a husband and wife. That is the kind of joy and kind of love, but taken to the next degree. That is what God has in store. And so the book of Hebrews talks about how Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. He's able to face his hour because he knows the joy that follows it. And he wants you to be part of that joy. And he tells us that these present sufferings don't mean anything compared to what is to be revealed, the joy that is to come. And so we live our lives in joy. We live our lives anticipating the marriage feast to come, anticipating the delicious food and wine, the the wonderful friends and family, the complete love of our God, anticipating that and living our lives joyfully. And so, just to recap, in this miracle where Jesus helps out a young couple by turning water into wine, He reveals Himself as the Creator of the universe and the Lord of all. He reveals Himself as the compassionate one who cares about even our smallest problems. He reveals himself as the overabundant lover of humanity who goes excessive lengths in his love. He reveals himself as the one who came to die, to remove the burden of sin and to make you one with God. And he reveals himself as the bringer of joy, that even now we had the small taste of the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom which has no end. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.